of Bruno Explains It All. If you're listening to our extended version of the show, then welcome back to Bruno Explains It All Uncut. I'm Bruno, your favorite friendly neighborhood podcaster, streaming straight from New York City. I want to open this episode with one of my favorite new segments. It's called Bruno's TV Roundup, right? The Last of Us. Have we been tuning in? It's a television show on HBO based off the popular Naughty Dogs video game by the same name. It stars Pedro Pascal as Joel Miller and Bella Ramsey as the heroine Ellie. Ellie is a girl who's bitten by an infected being, right? But somehow has the cure of this apocalyptic virus. She then meets Joel who is tasked with protecting and escorting her to this group, this gang if you will, called Fireflies. They're a group of rebels that want to overthrow the fascist Fredra government and regain control. Sounds symbolic, right? To the times that we're living in. I was binging the last three episodes, episodes 7 through 9, and I noticed a strong theme in episode 8. I deeply apologize, but the more I got into the episode, I kept getting pedophile vibes. We have this character named David. He's at least in his 50s. He's a preacher who is the leader of a religious group. David is calm at the surface and acts as a caring leader, but deep down he's manipulative and abusive. And he uses these tactics to remind members of his leadership, his status. He claims to have found God after the outbreak. He is played by a man, an actor named Scott Shepard, who does a pretty convincing portrayal of someone who is power hungry and at the very grasp of losing it all. And yeah, he's just desperate. David secretly feeds his people humans to eat, which is fucking gross. Um, That's one. And two, he has this weird daddy complex. He wants to be your daddy, your savior. He uses the word father more than once. And the way he speaks to Ellie felt like he was looking more for a wife and a second in command out of her, from her, you know? If there's one thing that I want to get off my chest is that every time I see scenes like this, I start going back to some of my favorite bloggers who have been claiming that the normalization of pedophilia is here, my friends. Even my cousin is really passionate about it. And she has seen some things where it's almost like they're grooming us to think that it's okay for kids to have a complete say of their bodies. And we're talking about... um when it comes to activities sexual activities and it comes to when um transitioning and things like that right i don't think kids are mature enough to have sexual intercourse with an adult that is sick it'll never be okay in my book and the second that major media tells us that it is we we are in big trouble i do get extra happy And I do get a sense of the director's and writer's stance on pedophiles with scenes like this. I strongly believe he was coming on to Ellie, especially when he had locked her up in the cage and he slowly goes in to touch her hand. She places his hand on his while he's gently speaking and taking um, and talking about taking over the world together. Right. She then does what? She breaks his fucking finger. And that's what I mean when I get the directors and writers stance on pedophiles with the kind of content that they write and produce and portray 
um the scene alone shows me that they feel hurry old men like David deserve to get their fingers broken and their heads smashed in. So kudos to the writers, kudos to the director, um, the actors and the actress who were willing to um, to portray such a strong scene. Because after she breaks his finger and she's able to escape, right? Because he throws her, he flops her onto a table and he's about to like cut her up into tiny little pieces so that he could feed his people later on she escapes he chases her into what looks like a some sort of restaurant where he then um it's like a cat and mouse scene right she's hiding she she stabs him he knocks her down and he's like climbing over this young woman i think she's again playing a, a girl of 16 maybe 17 no more than 17 years old and um and even if she was 18 i still feel that it'd be completely wrong at his age and the way he was forcing himself on her he says something to the um to the effect that you shouldn't scream or be afraid of love and it looks like he starts like unbuckling or is trying to undo his clothes when ellie completely takes over and bashes his head in while all this is taking place our hero joel is fighting to get to ellie but i feel like um one of the strongest lessons that um you can take away from this scene is that ladies girls young women of the world no matter how many men we have in our lives that are willing to protect us that are willing to take care of us let's think about our brothers uncles cousins our fathers husbands boyfriends right there's gonna be a day and time where we have to take care of ourselves and so this is just like it's just a great example and uh, a scene for for all young girls to 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 see if you ask my opinion joe never makes it to her by the time he does make it to her ellie's already out she's already rescued herself and i feel like that's what we have to do sometimes even men we have to save ourselves. Welcome back. Last year I recorded an episode of the Drag Queens of RuPaul's Drag Race Season 14. We are at the tail end of Season 15 and what can I say? It's been a whirlwind of a season. We finally said goodbye to Lucy DeLuca, who's yes, a talented queen, but God was becoming a thorn at my side. Her portrayal on the show was very privileged. A very, very privileged spoiled loser. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Lux, the drag queen Lux, finally sent her packing after an intense, untucked episode. Our top four queens are at the moment Sasha Kobe, Anitra, Mistress, and Lux Noor, London. This is probably the one season where I'm stuck between who I want to win. I've always had a standout in the previous top fours, but this time around, I can honestly say I'm very divided on the matter in next week's trailer rupaul says that only three is going to make it to the final what i want to know is who do you guys want to see out of the four is it sasha kobe is it anitra is it lux or is it mistress share your answers at bruno explains it all at gmail.com if you're listening to bruno explains it all on cut on spotify you can always participate in the poll questions attached to the episode Alrighty, guys that was bruno's tv roundup i went on a bit of a tangent for the last of us but that's because i literally saw it last night and i'm just i was just triggered i'm triggered by the entire series at the end of the day when we come back the verdict to Gwyneth Paltrow's ski lawsuit. Alrighty, so in case a rare case of amnesia has hit you during the song we just played, you are listening to Bruno Explains It All. Let's talk about Miss Gwyneth Paltrow now. 
A jury sided with the actor, deciding she was not at fault for the 2016 ski accident with a retired Utah optometrist who sustained broken ribs and a concussion after the fall, or so he said. Mr. Sanderson categorically hit me on the ski slope, and that is the truth, Paltrow testified. After the accident, Paltrow had lunch with her two children and the man who is now her husband before she bowed out of the rest of the ski day because of a sore knee. Her children, Apple and Moses Martin, testified that their mother was shaken and had told them Sanderson ran into her. The jury, which began deliberations earlier in the afternoon, agreed that Sanderson was in fact at fault, not Paltrow. So, congrats to Gwyneth. Um, good for you for your win. You can now go on and produce more vaginal scented candles if you like. Talking about Gwyneth Paltrow, have you guys ever heard of the term six degrees of separation? Six degrees of separation is the idea that all people are six or fewer social connections away from each other. Oddly enough, that belief is true for Gwyneth and I. You see, Gwyneth is the daughter of Blythe Danner, who has starred in many, many movies. Meet the Parents is probably one of my favorites. Well, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you a quick story. I once saw Miss Danner in Manhattan, so I kindly followed her for like two blocks, right? <laughs> where she then joined the line to a Broadway show. I approached her, kindly went up to her, excused myself, um, introduced myself, right? And simply told her that I had seen her and wanted to introduce myself and thank her for her contribution to the motion picture. You know, real fancy because I was a film student. Um, she was very sweet and so I skipped off and I called my sister to tell her what had just happened. She called me a stalker, and we moved on. End of story. Alrighty, we are back, and it's really sad to report that Brian Briz Gillis, one of the original members of LFAO, they were a pop, hip-hop band, right, back in the 2000s, died just recently. He passed away on March 29th. His fellow band member, Brad Fischetti, said in an Instagram post, prayers to his bandmates, family, friends, and of course his fans. I want to play one of my favorite all-time LFAO tracks, which is their debut, not their debut, but their biggest song. It's called Summer Girls, and it's by LFAO. That was Summer Girls by LFAO. It's a pretty cool sort of pop, borderline hip-hop-ish track. I think, I think it ended up reaching number three on the top 100, and it ended up helping the guys sell about 2.3 almost 3 million copies of their debut album so that was pretty cool guys um big things have been happening in the news aside from trump being indicted this past week cnn is reporting that chloe kardashian once you order no she does not miss her old face when asked by a cyber bully if she missed her old face the kardashian responded with no much has been made about how different kardashian has looked in various photos she's posted online over the years in 2020 a person asked on one of her instagram postings why do you look so different in all your photos kardashian had some fun with the response and said from a weekly face transplant clearly the last bit again was taken from cnn entertainment news and now to the main event, former President Trump has been indicted. So for all of you Trump fanatics or proud haters, the Manhattan Grand Jury has been hearing from witnesses, including former Donald Trump lawyer Michael Cohen, who says he's orchestrated payments in 2016 to two women to silence them about sexual encounters they said they had with Trump a decade earlier. 
Trump has denied the encounters and has said that he did nothing wrong and has cast the investigation as a witch hunt by Democratic prosecutor bent on sabotaging the Republicans' 2024 campaign. Besides the hush money inquiry in New York, Trump faces separate criminal investigations in Atlanta and Washington over his efforts to undo the results of the 2020 election. The twice impeached Trump is the first commander-in-chief in American history to be criminally indicted. After the grand jury returned the indictment, which remained sealed as of late Thursday night, a spokesperson for the DA's office said they had, con they had contacted Trump's legal team to coordinate his surrender before the arraignment. Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bra Bragg, what a name, has not shared any details on the matter. Trump's defense attorney said, though, in a statement that he did not commit any crime and will and we will vigorously fight this political prosecution in court. In a lengthy statement of his own in which he again denied the allegations, Trump echoed his claims his attorneys had made, calling the case political prosecution and election interference at the highest level in history. The Democrats have lied, cheated and stolen in their obsession with trying to get Trump, right? But now they've done the unthinkable indicting a completely innocent person in an act of blatant election interference trump's statement reads the democrats have cheated countless times over the decades including spying on my campaign but weaponizing our justice system to punish a political opponent who just so happens to be a president of the united states and by far the leading republican candidate for the president has never happened before ever trump went on to go after bragg who he called a disgrace doing joe biden's dirty work ignoring the murders and burglaries and assaults he should be focused on. Prosecutors have been investigating since Trump's former personal attorney, Michael Cohen, admitted in 2018 that he paid Daniels, Stormy Daniels that is, $130,000 before the presidential election to silence her claims about an alleged sexual encounter the two had years before. When we come back, we're going to go through a complete timeline of the investigation and feedback from the comment section of our celebrity page on TikTok. Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, we are back and we are, are going to break down a complete timeline of the investigation that they've been conducting on Donald Trump. So in, tw in 2006, Donald Trump allegedly has this affair with porn star Stormy Daniels, not long after marrying former nude model Melania Trump. In 07, Daniel appears in the mainstream Hollywood movie Knocked Up. Actor Seth Rogen later says Daniel tells others on the set about her affair with Trump. In 2011, Daniels gives an interview to the supermarket tabloid In Touch and, tell them, and tells them about the affair. November 2016, Michael Cohen, Trump's lawyer, allegedly plays, pays Daniels money to keep silent about her relationship with Trump in the months leading up to his presidential campaign. She receives the money and signs an NDA days before the 2016 presidential election. January 12, 2018, two years later, the Wall Street Journal is first to report that Trump allegedly paid Daniels 130k in hush money via Cohen. February 13, 2018, Cohen acknowledges paying Daniels but says that it was from his own pocket. A month later in March, Daniels sues Trump wanting to invalidate the NDA. March 27, 2018, Daniel appears on 60 Minutes with, a salacious, with salacious details about the affair, triggering blowback. We fast forward to April 5th, Trump claims to be unaware of Cohen's hush money payment to Daniels. April 9th, federal authorities launch a probe into Cohen raiding his offices in New York 
as part of Robert Mueller's Russia investigation into Trump. May 3rd, Rudy Giuliani, Trump's new lawyer, tells Sean Hannity and Fox News that Trump reimbursed Cohen for hush money paid on his behalf. Okay, things are getting interesting now. May 3rd, same day, Trump acknowledges he paid Cohen for the hush money paid to women on his behalf for the first time. On May 10th, Cohen claims names on bank statements are other. August 21, 2018, Michael Cohen pleads guilty to federal charges related to the hush money payments to Daniels and others. In September, National Enquirer admits role in hush money scandal, said it paid on behalf of Trump and reached agreement with prosecutors on September 21st. This is the National Enquirer. The news breaks three months later. On December 12, 2018, Michael Cohen sentenced to three years in prison for his role in the hush money scandal. July 17, 2019, a federal judge orders documents related to hush money paid out by Michael Cohen on behalf of Trump to be released. June 1st, the FEC declines to punish Trump for the hush money case regarding another woman, Karen McDougal. National Enquirer agrees to pay $187,500 for their role in the scandal. January 30th. 2023. Grand jury convenes in Manhattan on criminal probe into Trump's hush money payment for Stormy Daniels. In March, Michael Cohen testifies be before the Manhattan grand jury. March 15, Trump's current lawyer gives preview into a possible defense against Manhattan charges complaining hush money payment was not a crime. There's a lot of things going on in March. We go to the 17th now. NBC first reports that security preparations are underway in Manhattan for a possible indictment of Trump as soon as the following week. On the next day, the next day, Trump in a social media post says he expects to be arrested March 21st and calls on his supporters to protest. He is not arrested on the 21st though. March 20th, a former legal advisor to Cohen, Robert Costello, testifies be for grand jury raising questions about Cohen's truthfulness and apparently prompting a delay in indictment plans. We go to March 27. The Manhattan DA's office re recalls a witness for another round with the grand jury. Former National Enquirer boss David Pecker, whose magazine was in implicit in a scheme to buy and kill stories unfavorable to Trump. March 30th, Donald Trump is finally indicted by a Manhattan grand jury. And that's the story so far ladies and gentlemen um what do you guys think do you think that he deserves jail time you can again write share your thoughts and opinions at bruno explains it all gmail.com or participate in the poll questions on bruno explains it all on spotify let's take another quick break before we get into the comment section of our tiktok page celebrity Alrighty guys thank you for bearing with me and lasting this long i figured i'd do something different and fun and and scout through the comment section of our tiktok page called celebrity it is spelled c-e-l-e-b-a-t-e-a -E -E and it's a page dedicated to like pop culture and viral moments and stories and from television to movies to the news all that good stuff so we gather some of the most interesting comments that we can find and we figure that we share them it doesn't necessarily associate with any of the stories we said today but here are some of the funny ones that or shady ones that that we came across lynn brewer says about 
um, the Markle family, you know, Meghan Markle, the Markle family, Meghan Markle and Prince. She says this or he, he or she says this. No one compares to Princess Di. God rest her soul. D. Bonham says the crown has more truth and that's got so much and that's got so much that's for dramatic effect as the drivel maybe a little misspelled words but that was Dean Boneham that the crown has more truth than the documentary they were referencing um the new documentary that came out a couple of weeks ago on Netflix Coy's 1978 says this about the documentary and the book as well and prince's book which i'm reading but i haven't finished guys it's all smoke and mirrors showing how stupid they think the public are matswana 138 says pierce morgan is losing pierce morgan is losing his marbles he needs to be under psychiatric help oh god poor pierce valentina kiak says the worst thing is him using his dead mother this is about again princess megan worst thing princess is doing is using his dead mother for money and trying to recreate megan as diana he is disgraceful guys that's all we have for today i want to thank you all for tuning in today again share your opinions and thoughts at bruno explains it all at gmail.com let me know who do you want to win um drag race this season do you believe trump should be found guilty and serve jail time and what about um that kardashian face do we miss it do we love it write your thoughts in this is bruno and i'm signing off bye